Where we kick ass. Two, one. So, how's it going, Kaneo? Welcome to KA19 Sequoia's official podcast. I'm your host, Monster K Stevenson. And uh, so, usually, KA19 is run by our students. So, this is actually my very first time hosting one of our podcasts. And I'm pretty excited uh, to be doing that, a little nervous. And I'm just really curious to to hear what my radio voice really sounds like. So um, today's podcast is going to be done remotely so that we can model social distancing. And so that's kind of exciting, too. Uh, anyway, I'm also pretty excited because I'm here today with CVUSD Superintendent Dr. Mark McLaughlin as a three-peat guest. I think he's the, the first guest we've had that's had three appearances and He's here uh, this morning to share some information and answer questions that uh, that have been arising. So, Dr. McLaughlin, welcome to KA19. Thank you. It's always great to be part of KA19 podcast, and I always appreciate the invite and the opportunity to, to one, normally speak with students, um, but get the opportunity to work with you on a regular basis uh, through this communication channel. So, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome, absolutely. Um, so before we even get started, started um, today is National Superhero Day, and uh, I tweeted about that earlier, um, mentioning that my favorite fictional superhero is obviously Superman, and that my real lifetime hero would be my would be my dad. So I'm just curious, do you have a a favorite fictional or real life superhero? Yeah, you know it's interesting. I think uh, you know you and I have had this conversation or a few times over the past few years. And, and I would say my superhero uh, favorite would also be Superman. And when I think of just who uh, a live person that, that I grew up around, I've had a lot of mentors, um, but I go back to, to my mom and my dad as, as my heroes uh, growing up. And so, you know, I think we're very much aligned um, in our thought process there. So you come from a pretty big family, am I right? I do. I have, um, I had six, well, five brothers and sisters. I was number six. Um, and I, one of my brothers was my identical twin who passed away seven years ago. And I've also had an older brother pass away and a sister pass away. So there's myself and my mom and my dad passed away the night before my wedding. And then um, I have two older sisters that um, we have a great relationship and we just Zoomed actually last weekend, but we talk regularly. And then I have, I don't know, I think we're in the, the 34 or something grand um, nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews. So yeah, I come from a large family. <laughs> oh my gosh, 34. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, and it's growing because now all the grandkids are starting to have kids. So, um, you know, that makes my mom very excited and, <laughs> um, you know, gives us something to, to talk about on a regular basis. And we do try to get together regularly. Um, you know, when you're that large of a family from Ireland throughout all of the United States, um, you know, it makes it tough. But we try at least every couple of years to get everybody together. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so uh, before uh, we get uh, going, going, uh, I just want to ask how you and your family are holding up during this time. 
you know, we're, we're doing well. I think we're in the same boat as everybody else. Um, you know, I have two high school students, a junior and a sophomore, and then a, a fourth grader and my wife. And so, you know, I think, you know, to be honest, you know, I think after getting through the first um, initial week and a half or so, you know, the kids were going at each other pretty good um, as far as just arguing and, and the comments back and forth. But to be honest, the, over the course of the last few weeks, I've actually seen them getting along much better than they ever have, um, actually participating in activities together. And so I think that that piece is, is going really well. And, you know, my wife, uh, you know, she's busy. Um, she's a speech pathologist and doing teletherapy um, with the students that she works with. So she's busy, you know, for most of the day. So we're all, we're all pretty busy. There's no doubt about that but everyone seems to be holding up all right. Yeah. I, I, on, oh, I was going to say, how's everything on your end? Uh, pretty good. I mean, I don't have a house full of, of, of people. Um, I do have a house full of animals, and, um, you know, it's amazing to watch how they, you know, interact with one another throughout the day. I mean, it, it sounds like a stampede of elephants sometimes running through my house mm-hmm. when it's just cats. But, um, you know, I think this whole this whole thing that we're dealing with right now has really brought families together um, in a more positive way, you know, like you were saying, you know, getting along better and, and things. So that's, I guess, a, a positive. Um, so, you know, we've had, um, you know, the senior, our senior students are on my mind a lot lately. And, you know, I would say, you know, while there's a lot of activities being missed and end of the year um, pieces that go along with your uh, last, semester of your senior year I think you know one of the things I was reflecting on the other day because I have a junior who will be a senior next year but I was thinking you know the opportunity to have this much time to spend with your senior in high school before they go you know really off to college or to out to the to the job market I mean there you know I can't say that there's a lot of positives in this but um, I would say someone who's a, a a parent and a family who's got a senior, you know, take advantage of this time because really in no other time in history, um, I guess maybe 1918, um, that, you know, a family has got to spend this much time with their senior child before um, really going off and doing the things um, come August that normally take place uh, with, with students. Yeah, that's a really good point. I haven't, I didn't really think about that. I mean, I think back to when I was a senior, you know, and summertime came and you were off doing things prepping for, for college. And, you know, so, so yeah, I think it's great that, you know, like you said, it's unfortunate that, you know, some of the activities and, and stuff are on hold, but, you know, there's, there's nothing that can compare, I guess, to having family time. That is true. All right, so um, like most of us, you know, I can't even begin to imagine the added stress that uh, you're dealing with as not only our superintendent, but, you know, the anxiety that maybe you're feeling, you know, as as a parent right now. And I have seen some of your McLaughlin Way tweets, which are quite quite entertaining about how the things are going on in your household with distance learning. Um, So I guess my question would be, how are you managing you know, both hats as a, as a parent and as our superintendent, which is kind of like the parent role of like, what, 17,000 kids? Yeah, 18,000, um, uh, 18,366 kids plus 
you know, another three in my house. <laughs> but um, I pay, you know, in, in, the, in the McLaughlin household, my wife does most of the heavy lifting. Um, you know, interesting when this all started on March 12th, um, you know, I've worked every day since March 12th. And some days are long days of 14 hours, the same as, you know, a lot of our, our teachers who are prepping and, and, and really getting lessons ready to teach through distance learning because this is something that's new to everybody. And, you know, on the weekends, it could be as short as a six to eight hour day, but um, it has been every day since, um, you know, March 12th that, you know, myself and, and, and my cabinet and our directors and, and like I said, our site administrators and things have been putting in, in time. But for me, um, my wife does most of, of the heavy lifting around as far as the, you know, keeping track of kids and their assignments and making sure they're getting their homework done and getting on Zoom when they're supposed to. So um, a lot of praise goes out to her um, because, you know, I show up at, you know, six, seven at night sometimes from work and, um, you know, everything seems to be done and peaceful, but I'm, I know that it's hectic throughout the course of the day. As far as, um, you know, the McLaughlin Way tweets and things, you know, obviously that's, you know, an end of the week um, way to, I guess, just share with our community that, that I too am, and my wife face some of the same battles that they face with kids at home with distance learning. And, um, you know, it gives me something to think about other than, you know, all the things that have been coming up, you know, as far as distance learning, um, graduation stuff, uh, end of the year activities, how do we transition from one year to the next year? So, you know, just the ability to, I guess, use a different side of my brain on the creativity side of, all right, what is it that I want to share this week? What are the things that I need to keep track of? So, you know, I can have some, you know, have some funny hashtags and put a smile on, on some folks' face as we end, end the week is really what, what I'm, I'm looking at doing. And so that's, you know, this is totally outside my norm. Um, never until this happened had I ever tweeted anything about my personal life, nothing. And at this point, it's kind of no holds bar on some of the things I've shared. And so, um, but, you know, I think as long as people continue to be interested in it and um, want to hear, you know, what I have to say through, through, the McLaughlin homeschool program tweets, I'll continue to do it. Once I see that it dies off, then I'll know it lost its luster and, and we'll see what the, the, the next step of the process would be. Well, I think one of the, the things that I enjoy about reading them is just, you know, like you, like you mentioned, that it puts in perspective that, you know, you're just a parent trying to deal with all this as well. And sometimes you do have to take, you know, the, the, the funny side of things to to put a smile on your face. Um, I, I must say that you have become much more creative over over this time. And, you know, you're doing videos now. And so that's like super exciting. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think we're all learning together. And, and I've always been one who is who is taking chances when I've been a site principal and a, and a teacher in the classroom. And, you know, Sometimes when you get into some of these more formal roles, it's, it's really hard to, to step outside your comfort zone and 
take on the approach of letting loose a little bit and, you know, being a little bit more innovative, I guess, and trying some things. And, and for me, that's been something that I've struggled with the last couple of years. It's like, okay, where does the formality of being the superintendent have to take precedent over, you know, me trying to do something innovative out of this office and great if it works, but when it flops, you know, <laughs> what, what is, you know, the feedback going to come in from the community? And, you know, that's where there is a struggle where, you know, you have to make that decision is hoping that things go successfully in that innovative mindset. But if it flops, you know, what, what, what's the outcome of that? And so hopefully I think um, through this process, um, you know, our Caneo community will, I think, hopefully learn to be a little bit more forgiving um, with our teachers and our site administrators, all the way up to myself in our positions when we are going to try some new things, because I think education now is going to be defined differently moving forward. And, um, you know, that ability to try new things has got to be there. And, and hopefully our community will allow us to take those chances and be innovative. And that's where I've kind of jumped on the bandwagon here and said, all right, you know, here's your opportunity to, 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 to try some things that you may not be comfortable with and great if it works. And if it flops, how do I adjust it and make it better the next time I try it? So that's kind of my mindset right now, which is the same mindset as I think um, all of our, our staffs are facing and our site administrators. Are, are you know trying these new things? So I'm I'm no different than everybody else at this point. And you know we all know that you know sometimes the best lessons learned um, for yourself is when things flop. You know you you get up and you and you try again. And so I guess only good things can come out of it, right? Yeah, I definitely have had a lot of learning um, through this, and you know especially through communication and probably. My biggest learning curve in all of this was communication and making sure that I have a clear message that goes out and, you know, have that human touch of my messages that, um, you know, I tend to bring to the information I'm sharing with the community. And, you know, the one time I think that we just were very direct in getting information out and really not giving a lot of background information, it really backfired on 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 me and you know I took it to heart and I felt really bad and and obviously I'm one who is willing to step up and apologize for not communicating effectively the first time and making adjustments based on feedback that comes in from our parent and community group and um, then you know moving forward with you know uh, a much better approach in in the communication and and the language that I use in that communication going forward. But, you know, I'll continue to learn. And, and like I said, to me, out of the 23 years in education, um, through this process, uh, one of the communications I found out was probably the largest um, learning curve I've ever had. And I beat myself up over it, um, but bounced back the next day and worked with um, cabinet to make sure we put out a much more effective communication for our community and for our teachers. Well, you're 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 doing a great job. So on that, you know, 
it's, you know, communication is, is really important. And I, I think later on, um, I have a couple notes to talk about, you know, the communication aspect, but you know, you're, you, you got the things you guys are doing and, and having to, to send out in terms of communication to parents and teachers. I mean, it's, you know, it's thorough and it's concise, it's to the point. And so you're, you know, keep it up. You're doing a good job with that. Thank you. Um, but obviously, you know, the physical closure of our schools um, has brought a lot of uncertainty and anxiety um, to our students, our, our teachers, our staff and families. Um, but it does seem, you know, talking about the communication thing that uh, you are you, you guys do have a gold star because you are thorough in communicating. Um, but other than the 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 updates that you guys make to um, the website on a pretty regular basis. What other ways can parents and guardians stay connected with all the things that's happening with the district? I think, you know, that's a great question because, you know, our, our district website um, communicates large um, picture communication. So how are we handling communicating out to all 18,366 students and their families? And, and obviously other community uh, groups that are active within our, our district as well. But so we're, we're large picture. And, uh, you know, for me personally, as a superintendent, I tend to communicate my accounts through Twitter. So I update through my Twitter feed uh, frequently. But then from our district Facebook and Instagram account, that's ran out of our district. Plus we have our district Twitter feed. So those are all large picture um, for, you know, our parents and guardians and students. I think that communication uh, back to their teachers and school level administrators are key. So obviously the ability to communicate through email is always uh, a, an opportunity and, and one that's been in place for years that, that I think is used frequently. I, I think our administrators and parents are getting um, used to using Zoom. So if there ever needs to be a communication between a teacher, a parent, and possibly administrator, you know, Zoom is, is a platform that's available. Or if it's a parent and teacher who need to do a parent-teacher conference, uh, I think that that Zoom platform is, is a really good use of people's time and the ability to do that, especially in social distancing. Um, there's no really other opportunities, but I, you know, our, our principals and, and many of our teachers carry their own Twitter and Facebook pages. So, you know, I think it's important that parents find out, um, you know, what those names are that they're using, um, to, to communicate out and follow them on whatever platform that they're using, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, um, TikTok, if that's one that um, <laughs> teachers are using, I haven't seen it, but I don't. I'm not on TikTok yet, but I'm. I'm sending. I'm starting to gravitate a little bit towards it because I hear my kids you should talking about it frequently. So you, you should um, totally TikTok. I would. You know what? I would be your first follower. I've never done it, but I think you know. I, I <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would pay big bucks to to see a TikTok of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I would guess that eventually there may be. You know, if it's a tool that I can get a, a message out to our students and families and communicate in a in an avenue that, that connects, you know, I will, you know, the no 
better opportunity now than to try that. And so I, I know our, our students are using it. And if, <laughs> if it's a way to work with our seniors through this last um, eight weeks of school, um, I have no problem uh, trying it. So I don't know what that would look like, but, you know, it could happen. But, I, you know, there is, you know, from a communication standpoint, there, there are a lot of ways to communicate. And, and, you know, so I think families just need to make sure they're reaching out to their, their teachers first. And I think teachers need to make sure that they're communicating out to their families. And, and then, you know, as larger information comes out, that comes out from, from, you know, my office and then through our district level communication. One thing I have learned in all of this as well is our parents want to hear, I think first and foremost, if there are big items that are that are coming forward, I think they probably want to hear from their principals in that message because they trust and have worked with their site administrators for, for years. But then also it's either, you know, the site administrator sharing big ticket information or they want to hear from the superintendent sharing big ticket information. And because I think that trust is there and they, they value the information coming out. Obviously, individual students and classroom information, those are shared, you know, between the, the teacher and the parents. But like I said, big ticket items, they either want to hear from the principal or the, the superintendent. And, um, you know, while I'd like to give our directors um, some exposure to our community, because, you know, we are in a position of mentoring, you know, our directors and coordinators and stuff to eventually um, move up in positions. It's good to get their names out on some memos and, and share some information and things like that. But, you know, our, our community doesn't always know them um, or know their names and wonder who they are. And so that is something that I've learned over the course of the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? You could maybe, you know, you guys, you just did um, uh, a nice little video that you guys posted. You know, maybe you could do some kind of an intro introduction type video of the the people on your cabinet who would maybe be you know sending out communications so that people you know know who they are just you know just a thought to be more creative with your video skills so um one of the the most recent communications that you guys sent out is our uh do no harm grading policy and you know obviously a lot of work and thought and care went into the policy to best serve you know all of our students what about this policy um, makes it, do you think, makes it the best fit for, for our students? Well, I, th- I think the key piece is, is, you know, we're a district of 18,366 students. And every home is different. Every situation in the home is different. Every, in a lot of cases, every child in the home is different. And so, you know, for us, when it came to a grading policy, you know, it was really key that um, we work through some processes on how we can meet the needs of of all of our students um, in a no harm type grading policy. And 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 I get it. You know, when you have as many students as we have in our district, and as many parents and guardians and teachers and site administrators, and even up through the director level and and cabinet, everybody has their own opinion on what they feel would be the best approach in grading. And it's based on 
background information, uh, you know, really the individual situation that they may be in in their house. And for us at, at the district level and working with our board, we need to make sure that, you know, we have an overall grading policy of no harm that supports all of our students. And so when we're looking big ticket, it is hard to please everybody. Um, I understand that, but, you know, taking the appropriate steps to build this um, grading process, you know, I think that, um, you know, taking the steps that we took of, of one, brainstorming what are, what are the options that, that are available, what does the California Department of Ed suggest that, that we look at as a, as a local district area, um, taking those options to the board and really having some dialogue with them and listening to what their concerns are and what their suggestions are and what they would like to see to help us formulate um, the language that we would eventually bring to our teachers union um, as part of a negotiation process of, okay, what it is, what is this going to look like um, district-wide and then down to that classroom level with individual students? And so, you know, that is a piece that is, is key in all this is his ability to, to work with our, our teachers union in identifying what our grading policy is. So, you know, there are guidelines that came out from the California Department of Ed, and that was really one of the first ones that's listed is, is making sure that um, we consult with our local bargaining group and, and, you know, work through the negotiation process. Then the next step is what is the communication? So how do we communicate out to our families um, about the grading policy? How does this affect coursework um, moving forward? What is the criteria that will be used in creating um, their either third trimester um, grades or second semester grades? And for us, you know, we really looked at it at three different levels. We have TKK through second grade. You know, their, their report cards in the past are based on, on standards and a numbering system of one, two, and three. So we looked at doing met or not met, but what does that look like in the essential standards? And then from third through eighth grade, um, you know, we had the, the pass, no pass conversation or credit, no credit conversation. And what will that look like? And then obviously moving up into our high schools, we had the grading system and what does a no harm grading system look like um, for our students. And, you know, my biggest concern in all of this was if we went to a, a pass, no pass or credit, no credit system in the high school, I think that it would be effective for our seniors because obviously a lot of the um, universities within California have said that they understand what's happening in school districts and, and they would accept that, that type of mark on students' transcripts. But, you know, obviously when our students are applying nationwide and internationally, what do those schools, what are they looking at? So that was a concern to me. And then the other concern was if we have a freshman or a sophomore who say, well, I'd rather take a pass, no pass instead of a grade. And then they get to their senior year and they're looking at universities and they say to themselves, man, I wish I would have taken a grade instead of a pass, no pass. Um, you know, 
how do we reconcile that? And so in, a, in an effective manner for that student. And so that's why I really felt that going to a grading system um, at the high school was really key. But it's just not about what the, the, the grading system it is itself. I mean, there, you know, we have English learners, we have our students that um, are identified with a disability that have an individual education plan and part of a special education program. We have homeless students, we have foster youth, we have individuals within our community that may not have technology at home um, and how do we serve them appropriately. We have families in our district where they have technology at home or have probably probably have access to technology but they are not interested in having their students or their families interested in being in and on the World Wide Web and inputting information. So how do we serve them? We have students that may be working and supporting the family. We have students whose parents may be working and they're, they're babysitting younger students or the parents are working and there's no support in the house during the day for, for help in doing assignments. So, you know, we really needed to take a full look and understand exactly what and how to support all of our students and, and families in our community. And that's basically where we got to in our policy. So, um, it, you know, and it is, you know, uh, th there is no one, one size fits all, I guess, in terms of, you know, from the uh, pre-K all the way to, to high school seniors and stuff. But what would you say to, you know, a family or a student who is solely motivated by, you know, by grades, like, you know, they work towards the grade and now maybe if they're not getting a grade, you know, they're not as motivated to, to stay on track with their, with their classes um, and their schoolwork. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've had a couple of those types of email communications come into my office. Um, and, and I understand the importance of grades and really sometimes that motivation but I also think that there's a larger type lesson learned in some of this, that one, you don't always get what you want. Um, and two, that at times you're going to have to learn to adapt to the situation. And it's not like Canal Valley Unified School District or superintendent of the school district said, you know, we're just going to shut down schools for the remainder of the year or for an extended period of time. You know, there's a you know, something happening within our community, with, within our country that has spread worldwide. And, you know, where we are a, you know, under those circumstances. And so, you know, that adaption, adapt, the ability to adapt to change is one of those life lessons that I think are in our families and our students are just going to have to really use as a learning tool because that's what happens in the real world. Right. And uh, once you get out of education in, in the part of being a, in schooling and you're out in the workforce, adaption is key. And I would never have thought that these would be decisions and conversations that I'd be having um, in ever in the education field. And so now I'm adapting and learning. And so I think it's just, that's really the conversation that needs to take place. Um, and, and we have those conversations. I have those conversations daily. 
yeah, it's um, adapting and, you know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, a, a lesson that I'm, pro I'm sure that you're, you know, faced with or a situation all the time is, you know, explaining to or communicating with parents that, you know, um, there is no best fit for everyone. And, you know, you need to look at the, the bigger picture of what's best for, you know, Caneo as, uh, as a whole group. And, you know, maybe not all of our own personal views will, will line up um, with what the district is doing, but, you know, the district is doing what it is for, for all of our kids. So, you know, yeah, I, we, we can't, we can't fault you on, on that. You know, it's, you know, it's, outside of everybody's own personal bubble of what's happening in their home, you know, you've got this ginormous bubble of, you know, 18,300 and some, what was the number? 18,000. Yeah. 18,366. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, you know, one of the things, it's interesting that you say that, and I don't use this line very often, but I have had to communicate it in a few of the emails out to, you know what, and it's not just um, our parents and guardians, you know, you know, this adaption is, is difficult on educators as well um, because, you know, they've taught certain concepts and subjects a certain way for a certain period of time. And they feel comfortable. And so there are adjustments. Um, and it's just not a, within the household. It's also within, you know, our educators' household and our site administrators' household that, you know, some of these adaptions are being made. But um, like I said, you know, I have had to use the line within a few emails where, um, you know, I've shared with in the communication that I'm, I'm not going to make every parent in Conejo happy through this process because of the many differing opinions on almost every topic that comes <laughs> forward. Yeah. To be honest, I have to be fine with some unrest and discourse. I mean, as a superintendent, you know, it is, you know, that's the last thing I want to do is, is have frustration within our community. But I have, you know, I have to be fine at times with some of the unrest and discourse in, um, you know, individuals being unhappy with a, a final decision that either I make or a final recommendation that goes to our board of recommend, uh, our board of education as a recommendation from me. Uh, if not, if I worried about every single individual case, you know, one, I wouldn't be taking care of my family. Um, and being present at home, but I wouldn't be able to sleep, which, you know, sometimes does play a major piece of, of me just because I'm tend to be a worry wart and someone who, who wants to work with people and problem solve. But through this case, uh, through this situation, I found that, that that's really something I've, I've had to adapt to is, is, is basically saying there's going to be some unrest and discourse and, and I'm sorry, but this is the final decision there's a larger picture than what, you know, you may or may not understand. And that's why the decision is made. Right. And, you know, ultimately at the, at the end of the day, you know, you need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and know that you did what's best for, for everyone, you know, as a whole. Right. So, and that's not always, you know, easy to do. Um, so we've, we've talked about, you know, distance learning and, and technology and stuff. And I know the, the district has updated their, their technology support, page on, on, on the website. Um, but I know it's a, a, a huge concern for, for students and, and families and teachers, just not only having the, the, the right technology, but having access to the internet and stuff. Um, so what kind of measures is the district taking to help 
ensure that all families and teachers have adequate access to computers or technology or the internet from home. Right. So I think, you know, the one thing I think that is key for our community to understand is we we're not a one-to-one district, meaning one computer device to one student. Um, some of our surrounding districts are, some of our private schools, you know, they may not be a one-to-one based on the school site purchasing the, the um, computer, but they can kind of dictate, dictate that as they're a private school. And we're a, when, when you're a public school, you can't dictate that. Um, and so just based on the, the size of our district, it's really hard to go to a, a one-to-one. And when uh, Measure I was approved by the voters, um, you know, that was not a concept that was rolled out from each of our school sites. And, and it is a concept that could be rolled out and something we've got to continue to talk about, but it was not something that was rolled out um, when uh, Measure I was approved. So we were not a one-to-one district. So, you know, when I, you know, I hear people say, well, that school district moved faster than, than Canal Valley did, or that private school, you know, they were weeks ahead of the district. Well, you know, there's a lot of factors that come into play. And, you know, just in our surrounding districts, the two neighboring public school districts, um, you know, Oak Park and Las Vegas, they were a one-to-one district already. So they could move a little quicker if they needed to. As far as private schools, you know, those those range from, you know, 50 kids to 1,300 kids at the largest. You know, it's it, to make that transition of 1,300 kids is much easier than it is to make the transition of 18 over 18,000 kids. Right. And so, you know, I got a lot of emails about, well, this, this private school is way ahead of Conejo. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're a school of 600 kids. Um, or, you know, LAUSD is this far ahead. Well, you know, LAUSD is sharing the pieces that are working. What they're not doing is sharing the pieces that are not working. What I want to be able to do is when we roll this out, as much as possible, make sure everything um, is, is going to be working. So, you know, for that, you know, going into the support that we provided, you know, we did allow over 4,000 computers um, to go out to our families, and we ordered in a 1,000 hotspots to allow for connectivity to the World Wide Web and, and working with our, our sites and teachers that the students needed to work with. And we still have families picking up devices, and picking up hotspots, which is good. We have a, a formal checkout process over um, and with where our, our technology department is. Um, what I, you know, what I think I'm, we're in like phase two now of the technology rollout. So, you know, um, we have our live um, chat feature available now for families to just get onto the technology website if they're having problems um, with A, B, or C on their computer, then, you know, there's that live chat that can take place. There's also the ability to phone and set up a time in which someone from our technology department in English or Spanish um, will reach back out to that family and problem solve whatever issues they may be having with with the technology. Um, and if computer devices, you know, basically um, stop working, then, you know, there's an easy checkout process that needs to just take place in which they get a new device. So I think that, um, you know, those are, are really key pieces. But one of the other key pieces is our ability to work with our local um, partnerships, uh, really through Safe Passages and Tim Hagel and Adelante, our um, English 
learner group that's working within our community to support families, they're communicating a lot back to the district, specifically Amber Bowman, who is our touch person, who is really problem solving, brainstorming, and then um, driving home the solution that needs to, to be uh, in place to support a specific family or student. So I think, you know, we've done a, a really nice job and we continue to build every day on those processes of supporting our, our families. You know, the next piece is our platforms and rolling out our digital technology um, videos to support our families. So the next step of this will be, how do we support our families on the different platforms that are being used within the classroom? And um, so that they have an understanding of what their kids are doing um, what what does Google Classroom mean? <laughs> what does Zoom mean? And how can I support them? That's our next phase coming out of instructional services that will be out shortly as well. Well, you, there are some. Um, I, I was actually looking at the the, the technology uh, webpage th this morning, and there are some videos and stuff already up <laughs> there. And I just, you know, you you touched on that some of the videos um, are more geared towards parents and guardians. And I, I can't tell you how, how true that is. You know, I, uh, my, my mom, um, bless her heart, you know, she still lives back in, in Detroit. And, you know, I'd say probably once, once every couple of weeks, she'll call me up with a, a computer problem or a, a thing. And I'll, you know, sit on the phone with her for a couple hours and it's, you know, trying to, to walk her through it. And, you know, she gets frustrated because, you know, I, automatically assume she knows certain things and so I have to you know try to like walk her through things and so I can't even you know she gets frustrated on just some of the sim more simple things of of her, her her computer so I you know I can't imagine you know some parents and guardians you know who are trying to understand you know what their kid is doing you know like what is zooming or what is this google classroom or or seesaw you know or 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 whatever right. so you know th those videos are going to be a huge help for for parents yeah, uh, I, have the same, I have the same situation with my mom as well it's you know my mom she'll she'll always like start off with well i was trying not to call you and i wanted <laughs> to try to figure this out of myself but you know and then like I said, you know, an hour later, we're, we're hanging up and, you know, then of course she, she feels bad, you know, I'm sorry, I took all this time. And, you know, my, my heart goes, goes out to her. And then I, <laughs> I remind her all the time because, um, years ago, I guess it was, must've been in the eighties when, you know, VCRs first, first came out, my, my mom bought her mom, my grandmother, um, a VCR and my mom was getting frustrated trying to explain to my grandmother, you know, hey, you can watch Channel 4, but you can video tape and record, you know, Channel 7 right. for later. And my grandma, you know, sh she couldn't understand it at all. And I just remember my mom getting so so frustrated with trying to explain it to her. So every now and then I'll throw that back at, at my mom and I'll be like, remember grandma in the VCR? Right. You know, <laughs> how that went for you? So, yeah, it's the... The, the videos online will be, you know, super helpful. Um, so as a parent, you know, yourself, obviously, you know, what advice would you give parents or guardians uh, to best, you know, assist their kids during distance learning? If you had to sum it up, you know, in a right. sentence or a couple sentences, what would that advice be? You know, um, I would say make sure that there's a, a structured routine as much as possible a schedule that the students know that they need to follow in the home. And the 
that parents need to, as much as possible, try and reinforce that schedule of, you know, when to do homework, when to get on Zoom, um, when to work on projects, when to have lunch, when to, you know, maybe go out in the backyard and, and, and have a little bit of a, a break. Um, so I think that, you know, that's really key. And I know it's easier said than done. And, and I'm a true believer in do as I say, not as I do, because, you know, that's a battle that we have in, in our household as well. Of, of really make sure that we're maintaining that schedule and we, you know we use a, a whiteboard in our in our house where you know everybody lists their different zoom meetings so we know when to make sure we're following up with the kids to make sure one that they're out of bed um, or that they um, are signed on and and touching base with their teachers so from a from a parent's perspective I think that that that's key and then you know from from a teacher's perspective, I think the same advice holds true is is what is your daily structure and setting going to look like and you know that may change based on on teachers who have students in the household or grandparents or parents that they're taking care of or or other different factors but um you know trying to to have that schedule is key I think that also, communicating to parents on a regular basis um, is important. And then taking advantage of the professional development by Dr. Suter and, and Mrs. Culpepper on really how to use our websites and our um, the technology that's being used and the different platforms, how to use those effectively so that um, kids are engaged in, in what's taking place in in this process and so you know to me those are, are really important it's, it's about structure and routine um i know it's easier said than done but right. uh, if, you can get, <laughs> if you can get those things in place then i think that it may you know this transition may be may, may be smoother um and that is something like i said well we can have all the creative ideas in the world of of keeping track of zoom and homework and things like that it's really about the follow through and making sure that it's that it's taking place and and I'm no expert in that but like I said I know my wife does most of the heavy lifting so by the time I get home um, most of those things have been done I don't know if it's to the to the T of the schedule but um, and I have no idea what the you know what the conversations are but um, I am filled in sometimes and you know they're they're difficult conversations to to you know keep your kids on track but as much as you can I think it's important. Great. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm, that families are super thankful for are, is the food service uh, department, you know, for providing breakfast and lunch for, for our kids. And um, so can, can families expect that kind of service for the duration that school's out of session? For while we're out of session under the guidance of school closure, um, yes, that is something that we will continue. And that's the guidance that's coming in from you know, the state and federal level that, you know, we've got to make sure that we're feeding, feeding our students. Um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what that guidance will look like when we roll into the summer. Um, you know, and that, that, that's information that we'll have to, to figure out and see how we can best support our families. You know, some people will say, well, in the summer, you don't normally feed families. And, and I would say you're, you're correct. But now we know that there's a need in our community mm -hmm. where families may not have food every day. And 
I think it's always been I it's always been there. And and for me and my experience working in a different district in the Inland Empire, um, you know, I knew it. But I think that we see the numbers growing regularly on a weekly basis and it's and it's really eye opening to to some of our families, I think, who who naturally think that Thousand Oaks Canal Valley is in a hundred percent affluent community. Where now we, you know, we've always identified of about 26% of our students are on free and reduced lunch, but that's only 26% of our students who turn in their free and reduced lunch applications. We know at the high school level, a lot of our, our students are not interested in turning in those forms. And um, so, you know, we're seeing a greater need now across um, our district and within our community of families who, who need those services. And, you know, um, so I think that you know it's 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 come to the forefront more more and more now, and probably more visible to some of our families who didn't think that it was such a need in our community. And and I would say that as we get into next year, I think that we'll be up into the 30, 35 percent um, of our families who would qualify for a free and reduced lunch. I really do see think we're going to see that big of a jump over. Um, over the next year, just based on what's happening with the economy. Right. Um, well, if there if there's teachers or other staff members who um, would like to help with you know distributing lunches or things like that, is there a way that they can help, or is it strictly just the food services department? Oh no, we you know there we work hand in hand with what community groups. So Adelante and Safe Passages are are um, very active, and they're feeding through the weekends now. Oh, so, okay. So there, we are supporting families now on the weekends. Um, from a school district's perspective, I think our child nutrition department, you know, they, they've got a process down. Um, they have a rotation of, of individuals who, who work on a regular basis. And, you know, so that not every employee is out, you know, delivering um, or, or handing out food on a regular basis, there is a rotation that happens within that department of, of who's at what school sites on what day and who's really working out of the central kitchen. So um, I think that they've done pretty good of, of making sure that from the district level support, that is there. But um, the ability to work with our community groups, because they're building on the weekends and stuff, the, the lunches themselves. So they don't have a central kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I know that there's that support. And then, you know, they also need people to deliver and hand out. So, yes, there's the ability for employees that are interested to support our community to be able to do that. So would we reach out to the uh, child services or child nutrition um, services? I mean, who would we reach out to if we wanted to help, like, deliver or, or pass out or something like that? I think, um, you know, we can reach out to Kim Gold in our communication department, and we would be able to um, guide um, our employees to the different avenues in which they can support because, you know, we do have a, a pulse on what's happening in our community. I, we communicate regularly. I do with, with Adelante and Tim Hagel, and I have a text message or a group of text messages that go back and forth, if not daily every other day just on where everybody's at and and the support that's taking place so um and there and there you know there are senior programs that need support and you know new programs popping up because we see this you know continuing to last longer than anticipated when it started and so you know we're trying to keep 
contact with those community groups that are up and running now and any new ones that get started so that um, you know, we can provide direction and support when, when we are able to from the district level. So we have a list of those. Okay, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check that out. Um, you've maybe it's something we need to put up on our website. I think that would be, I think it would be great. I work with, I work with our communication department. That's a good point. If we're having this conversation, I'll get something up there. That would be awesome. Cause I'm sure there's a, you know, other than myself, I, in, in just talking with other teachers, I know there's a lot of people who would be, you know, who are willing to, to help, um, in any way they can outside of the, the virtual classroom, so to speak. Right. Um, so you, uh, we've talked about decision-making that the, that, uh, you've made and your your cabinet. Um, what does what does that look like? I mean, who who do you involve in in the decisions that you guys are making, and what kind of resources do you use to help you know guide you in these important decisions? Right. Well, I think you know most um, topics start off with our cabinet, um, and you know just what what is the issue? Um, we meet every Monday for three hours, and it's myself. Um, and our deputy and assistant superintendents meet um, from 9 to, to 12, um, and that happens every week. And we usually use the whole time, and, you know, each department puts whatever is up that they're working on. One, sometimes it's just informational. Other times it's problem-solving and brainstorming and, and how are we going to roll this out. Once we have those certain topics, you know, I communicate regularly with our board president and the board vice president. Um, because most of my conversations can only take place with um, no more than two board members. So mm-hmm. um, those are those are two that I talk to daily, um, talk about where we're at with some of the decisions. Um, you know, when I'm when I say talk to them, I talk to them individually because I'm trying to get some feedback from them on on topics of, you know, what advice do they have to move forward, and and you know, it helps that both of them are parents in our in our community. And at different levels. So, um, you know, President Goldberg has got a high school and a high school senior. So I get a lot of input from her on, you know, what's concerns coming in from the high school senior parents on things that we got to look at doing from the district level. And then um, Vice President Fitzgerald's got a middle school and an elementary student. So, you know, I'm able to hear, you know, things, what's going on at the middle school as far as promotion ceremonies, those type of things. What are other concerns that are coming forward as far as distance learning. So I talk to them regularly. Um, a lot of the, you know, the, the really hard work or the, the background work comes from our director levels, and that could be through communication or, or plans that are going to get rolled out to our site administrators and from our site administrators down to our teachers. And then, you know, obviously it's important to work with our unions and our union representation from our different groups. Um, we'll consult our DACs, which um, are our CDAC for special education, our DLAC for our English learners, our regular DAC, um, our GATE DAC, and then we have our student DAC that we work with. Um, and then just, you know, parents who are providing feedback through any surveys that we are doing or feedback that comes into my office from parents, and then obviously working with our, our, our student groups. So, um, you know, there's definitely um, lots of different stakeholder groups that, that are providing information on a regular basis to help facilitate um, movement as far as decisions are concerned and the implementation of um, thoughts and ideas and 
just the building of where we are now. So, um, you know, but all that conversation in the world is, is important, but it's really about what happens with the, between the teacher and the student. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's the key piece in all of this. And, and, and if we're not being clear in our communication, then that, that, that will be a struggle. And, and so hopefully, um, you know, we get that feedback when there's not clarity and we can go ahead and, and make those adjustments and, and share um, more in-depth information about whatever it is that, that we weren't clear on because we want that relationship to be the best, the student and the, and the teacher. Right. And, and um, like I said earlier, when we first started, your, the, the communication has gotten much better in terms of, you know, everybody being on the same page because, you know, the first couple communications from, from your office – and what we were hearing from our principals and then what we were hearing from other, you know, it was just like, what? Can someone just, you know, break it down and just bullet point, this is how it's going to be. And um, it, Yeah, it was, you know, I would say at first it was hard because new information was coming out hourly. And so, you know, there was just communication, uh, confusion in general. Um, and I don't know if it was sometimes the communication coming out of the, out of the district office. Um, or communication by the time the information got to the to the school site, communicated out to the schools, new information was already changing the previous information. Right. Um, you know, there was a lot of that taking place because there was changes being done in from the state level, from the local level, you know, um, and so adjustments were happening a lot. And then, you know, the other piece is, is we were trying to get communication out as quickly as we could, which means that our teacher groups and employees were getting the same information going out to our families at the same time, which caused a level of frustration. So, you know, we realized that we need to make sure we're getting employees and um, site level um, employees communication first, and then following up, you know, sometimes a couple hours later with our community. So people have the ability to read, um, digest before we share with our community. But, you know, it really depends on, on how quick the changes are coming from the state level. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you mentioned um, in your conversations with uh, board president um, Cindy Goldberg about high school graduation. Uh, that's a, a, a hot topic right now, especially on social media. Not so much, haven't heard much about uh, eighth grade promotion or, or fifth grade culmination, but um, you know, it's a, it's a hot ticket item on, on social media and with parents and rightfully so. So what could you tell us about um, the plans for that the district possible or can you share any plans or thoughts that the district has in terms of graduation and you know those types of activities well for the you know promotion of our eighth graders and fifth graders you know there's and i shared this at the last board meeting you know i've I've really turned that over to our grade span directors uh so mr kenny lou would be working with our middle school site um principals and site um, leadership teams and Ms. Sonia Wilson will be working with our elementary principals and their site leadership teams and and parent groups to brainstorm those ideas. Um, For me, at the superintendent level, um, my focus is our our seniors and and celebrating them. And so I can't necessarily, while they keep me in the loop, I, I can't get into the weeds on what's happening with that because to me the ultimate goal is 12th grade graduation and that's not to take anything away from our eighth grade promotion and fifth grade culmination activities or kindergarten promotion ceremonies but 
you know, ultimately from my level and the board level, our celebration has always been getting in, you know, a little bit into the weeds with our 12th graders. And that has continued as far as, um, you know, the other levels, that's always been site level and director level driven. And then, you know, a board members and, and cabinet and directors may show up and, and be part of the ceremony, but we never got into the weeds on, on the planning and what are the activities. And, and I really want that to continue because, and, and, and just then have my um, grade span directors keep me and cabin in the loop on what's taking place because, you know, there's only so much time in a day for, for me to get involved in everything. And um, I need, you know, those grade span directors to really step up and lead those conversations as, as we go into this process. So I think there's a survey that's out or going out shortly, the same as what we did a few weeks ago with our high schools. And once that information starts being collected, that'll give us a general idea of what our parents at those levels are, are looking at wanting to do. Right. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, you know, we've heard things from, you know, virtual graduations and, you know, in a drive-through type setting, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I'm sure it, it's difficult to even map out different ideas because we don't know um, what kind of restrictions may or may not be, be lifted for, for the county and, and stuff. Right. So, you know, yeah, it's, from, the, from the 12th grade level, from our senior celebration, you know, right now we're planning virtual because we wanted to get the tryouts up and running for our, each of our high schools and figure out, you know, what are, you know, how would we, if we have to go the virtual route, how do we get those individual traditions and traditions of what takes place in their graduations in place, knowing that, uh, you know, the May 15th date. Um, or sooner, whenever uh, the Ventura County Health Department gives us our next set of guidance, what will that look like? And so, you know, that, like I said, that could be us continuing to have graduation on the date that it was scheduled if the guidelines are, are, are different. It could be that we only have a student and staff and those involved in a graduation and live stream for parents and families. Uh, involved in a traditional graduation. It could be that we postpone till August or July. Um, it's hard to say, you know, that May 15th date is going to be really important for our community and for the district in moving forward with any decisions that we make. Right. Um, so I guess it's, um, you know, obviously too early to be thinking about the fall, um, but I know they're, you know, teachers and, and parents are, are wondering already about what's going to happen, you know, mm -hmm. next, next school year. And I'm like, I, we, can we just get through this school year first? <laughs> um, but I'm sure, you know, obviously plans and stuff need to be made. I mean, is there any talk at, at your level of, you know, what m things might look like in, in the fall? Yeah. You know, you know, it's the time of year when we're planning for the next year as well. Um, and so what I'm, I'm using the phrase re-entry and redesign uh, committee, what we're going to have to put together stakeholders to what, what, what does a re-entry plan look like and, and what does redesign mean? Uh, you know, I think we've learned a lot out of this in far, as far as, you know, communication and strategies that, that, that have worked through this distance learning. So, you know, I don't anticipate us whenever the, um, we're allowed to go back into our school sites, um, you know, to, to really set up traditional classrooms the, the way that they were set up. I'm assuming that 
you know, everybody's going to want to pull the things that worked out of, out of the last, you know, 11 weeks of the school year that we learned this year into some of their strategies and in their classrooms next year. So what does that look like? Um, and then also, you know, we got to wait on guidance of, you know, how large of group of kids can be together on a campus at one time? Do we have to stay your days? Do we stay your start times? Um, what does that look like as far as negotiating um, with our unions? Um, you know, does, does it mean that, you know, nobody comes back till after Labor Day? But, but we still have staffing we have to do. We know we're going to have, you know, um, students showing up to or ready to start school you know, at the end of August next year. So, you know, what are all the things that need to be in place that traditionally needs to be in place? And then what are the adjustments based on any guidance that comes out throughout the course of the summer that we've got to plan for? But I think the re-entry and redesign committee will facilitate some of the, you know, bigger ticket adjustments that we're going to be looking at. Right. Um, so, okay, so I'm going to, you know, mix things up and, um, I want to know from you if you could share what you are most proud of through this process. Um, and on the flip side of that, what has been the most challenging for you? Um, most proud of for sure is our teacher students and parents ability to adapt quickly to the change. I mean, it was literally a four day, a four day change. Um, and then no doubt that there's a lot of hard work being done by you know, our site level certificated staff and classified staff. So I think to me, that's, that's the one piece um, that I think we all need to be proud of. And is it perfect? No. Um, but I think those adjustments of flipping, you know, 300 plus years of education upside down, uh, we transitioned quickly. Uh, I do hear a lot of positive information from the communication standpoint, which is, um, I think really important um, to hear because that means that our communication that that we're um, providing is, is working. And then, um, you know, I, I continue to say that, you know, we're learning a lot and um, making adjustments as we have to go. So, you know, that problem solving piece and ability to adjust uh, timely is, is, is really important for me. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side, I think the things that have not gone well it's hard to say, um, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, why did you not plan for this? Or, <laughs> you know, we've had fires for the last two years. How could you not plan for, you know, our students not um, being able to adapt to this quickly? Well, you know, it's one thing to, to be shut down for fires for eight days. It's another thing shutting our doors and going to distance learning for 12 weeks. So, right. um, you know, it, you know, I would say that um, sometimes I type emails up and I don't send them and then I provide the appropriate response back. Um, so, but I, you know, I, I think it's hard to say things that, that have not gone well. I, you know, we're just learning this as we go and we make adjustments. So um, that's, that's where we're at with that. So have you, have you found um, that you have a, a thicker skin than you thought you had? Or, or is your skin getting thicker through all this process, having to deal with all the things that you deal with? Yeah, I think, um, you know, my, just my career in general and the school sites that I'd taken over as, a, as principal, 
um, you know, they've always been difficult sites. And so you get thicker skin because you're dealing with site level issues and concerns. And then, um, you know, I spent six years in the HR office where I had very little contact <laughs> with, with families to moving into the superintendent position where, you know, that was a key piece again. So, you know, there's no doubt I had to go back and think of the strategies that I used um, when I was regularly communicating with families and, and then build that thicker skin back up because I, I just didn't have to think about some of the, you know, the concerns that were brought forward to me at night when I went home out of the HR office. You know, it was really teachers and classified staff and unions that I was thinking about, which are adult issues. Right. Um, and going into superintendent position, now I'm dealing with student issues again and all those other things. Um, you know, those aren't taken off of, off my plate. But um, so, yeah, I would say through this thicker skin, but I also understand that over communicating is key and, and providing that human touch to it is probably um, the, the best thing you can do when providing um, sometimes unwanted or unsolicited information and adjustments. Right. So if there was one important thing that you would like to communicate to, to families at this time as we start to wrap things up, what would, what would that be? One, I would say make sure we're following the social distancing guidelines. And I think here in Ventura, we've done a great job of that in Ventura County. Um, I think um, within our community, we've done a nice job of that. And, and I pay attention to the numbers daily to see, you know, the number of new cases or, um, um, you know, cases that are in the ICU and or deaths and, and those who have are now cleared. Of, of any of the virus. So I pay attention to those numbers. So I'd say stay home. But the other piece is, is really when thinking of ideas or communicating to, to me or to your site level administrators, and you're pulling ideas from all over the place, all over the, the United States of school districts, like, why don't we do this? And why can't we try that? And this school rolled this out faster. Um, please pay attention to the size of the school or the school district where you're pulling that information from. If, if it is a smaller school district, that's much more difficult for us to pull some of it off and it's, it is good to get those ideas. Other times, if it's a larger school district and you could say, well, they're a larger district, they have more help. Well, or they're a larger district, they're rolling this out, they're bigger than you. Sometimes based on the demographics of that district, um, they have more help. Um, than we have. We are a, a really a district that we don't have a large um, population of students who qualify for extra dollars as far as supplemental and concentration dollars in the LCFF funding model that we're under. And so while we're a, a large district, we don't see those extra dollars coming in that, um, you know, other districts see. So, so those comparisons really sometimes have got to stop. And really, from a parent's perspective, analyze a little bit of the situation that you, you're looking at, and then how would that translate into the district? I'm not saying don't provide um, ideas and, and thoughts to, to us, but to me, a really big key piece to some of those things is um, when you're making those suggestions, what is the size of that community and the demographics and funding source of that community? 
Right, because, I mean, you can't compare apples to oranges or even apples to apples because you have, like, Fuji apples, and then you have Macintosh or Red Delicious apples. So, you know, it's easy to, you know, they're doing it this like this, and they're doing it like this, but, you know, get I guess have a better understanding of what our district is, you know, comprised of. I guess would probably right. help. And, and I do. I think our parents and guardian, uh, the guardians of our students and community members and, and our board and our teachers and our site-level administrators and our classified folks who have reached out, there's been nothing but really, really good ideas. Um, but, you know, some of them just don't work for us. And, and um, you know, so I, I, those, are, those are key pieces. Right. So we've, we've touched on a bunch of different topics. Um, so I'll, um, I guess I'm just opening up the floor to you if there's a um, anything else you would like to talk about or any words of wisdom or anything else you want to share, this would be your opportunity. You know, I, like I said, I always appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with K-19 and, um, you know, for me, because we're, you know, this is a different structure. It's more like a, a conversation and, and, and I think that's, probably why it's gone the length that it has yeah it's, um, we're at a minute but, and 12 we're at an hour and 12 um, minutes <laughs> and I, probably no one's gonna ever want to no one will ever listen to it because it's so long but to me I think the ability to share some things that I don't always get to communicate out during board meetings or in writing and or want to put out over you know a video message I think you know to have this opportunity to share a little bit about that is key and and I just you know I I use the term you know, Teal Strong, um, which is really key in our community. And mm-hmm. and for me, who brought in the, the thought process of the Conejo Way, um, you know, three years ago when I came into the district or into the superintendent position, um, you know, I really see momentum building around that. And to me, not just internally from a school district's perspective, but from the community side. And, and to me, that gets me really excited. So I, I, I do think that people are starting to understand, um, you know, where we're at. And we faced a lot of tragedy and um, a lot of natural disasters over the course of my tenure here as superintendent. And, you know, I think people have realized that my decisions are always going to be on what's best for our students, either from a health standpoint, a safety standpoint, and that will always continue to be part of that Conejo Way piece. So um, uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna close things up, um, Dr. McLaughlin. It's always a pleasure, you know, having you as uh, as a guest. Like I said, you are our our first three-peat guest for KA19. Um, so to all of our listeners out there, stay safe, stay healthy, and this is Carla Stevenson with KA19 signing off. <laughs>